Hey friends, I'm Becky Davidson, host of the Rising Above Ministries podcast, where we share stories of hope, inspiration, and encouragement from special needs families from around the world. You know, I love getting to share stories from special needs dads. So often we have moms on our podcast, but today we have a dad. And I had such a great conversation with this week's guest, John Felligeller. John has spent over 15 years in education working with children from infants to middle school, and he lives in Illinois as a single father to his son, Christopher, who has autism. He is currently a special education teacher in Chicago and is a regular contributor to Key Ministries Special Needs Family Blog, as well as other special needs blogs, including Hope Anew and The Mighty. John loves to support and encourage special needs dads and to help them be the dads God has called them to be. And, you know, that was something that my late husband, Jeff Davidson, was passionate about as well. And he started a book before his death that I had the honor to help complete after he passed away called Common Man, Extraordinary Call, Thriving as the Dad of a Child with Special Needs. And the book walks dads step by step on how to successfully navigate the special needs life as a dad. Now, I'm a little bit biased, but it's a great book, and um, I highly recommend it for any special needs dad anywhere on the journey, whether you are a brand new dad who's just, your child has just gotten a diagnosis, or whether you are a veteran dad. Um, It's also a great read for moms and others who want to know more about how having a child with special needs impacts dads. So Common Man Extraordinary Call can be found on Amazon, or it can also be purchased through the Rising Above website. So check it out if you haven't already. Now here's my conversation with John Felligeller. Well, John, thank you so much for joining me today for the Rising Above podcast. I'm so excited that you're here because we not only share um, a heart for the special needs community, but we are both single parents. And so we come at the the special needs life a little bit different than some people. And so I'm excited to have this conversation with you to talk about your life and your son and for you to share with us some of the the things that you do um, to encourage other special needs parents. So welcome. Thank you, Becky. It's really great to be here. So why don't you start off telling us a little bit about um, your son mm-hmm. and about your life in Illinois. Sure, absolutely. So uh, my son, Christopher, is 13. Wow. Is I didn't know all- he was 13. Wow. He's, he is 13. Yeah, I've known yes. you a while then. That's great. Yeah. So he's, uh, yeah, it's it's the scary <laughs> times of adolescence, I guess you would say, right? Yeah. But, yep. um, He's 13, seventh grade. Uh, he is functionally nonverbal. So, you know, we do struggle to communicate, um, you know, orally. He does use an iPad, uh, touch mm-hmm. chat app, that type of thing. A uh, wonderful, sweet boy, very happy. Uh, you know, he is probably the easiest kid, it, despite all his challenges and despite mm-hmm. many of the things we have to wrestle with. And certainly the amount of work that we've done and, and he's done specifically over the years in terms of his different therapies. Um, yes, I, I am currently divorced. I have been divorced now for about a year, actually. So it's still relatively recent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my ex-wife and I, his mom have, have a great relationship. He's an only child. And, um, you know, although I personally was not someone that wanted the divorce or sought the divorce out, it nonetheless happened. 
uh, but we maintain a good relationship as co-parents. Uh, we don't live that far yeah. from each other. We're very involved on a number of levels. Mm -hmm. And I think what's great is, you know, I, I think we at least both acknowledge each other's unique strengths and talents as co-parents. So mm -hmm. there were certainly things in terms of raising him over the years that uh, my ex was very good at in terms of organizing calendars, contacting people, scheduling and structuring and doing all of that mm -hmm. kind of nuts and bolts on the ground type stuff. And, and for me, I was kind of the big picture guy. You know, I was the one who got involved in the organizations and the advocacy and sought out help in all these variety of ways and discovering new things and whatever it was. And, mm -hmm. and of course, just, you know, making sure that we gave him as well-rounded of a life and as full of a life as possible. So, you know, and I think it, is it more challenging to do that when you're not under the same roof? Absolutely. Yeah. But you can do it. And more importantly, you must do it. Yeah, so, you don't have I mean, a choice. <laughs> yeah, right, yes. You were there. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute, that aspect of your life. But I want to take a minute and go back in time, go back to those early years when you are first finding out about Christopher and his diagnosis. You know, moms and dads come at this thing so completely differently. How, what was it like for you in those early years when you're just finding out about him being diagnosed with, aut with autism? Yeah. And it's actually a very interesting story I, I love to tell. So if you, if you've heard me speak enough times, you've probably heard this one, but uh, you know, it, it was relatively confusing in the beginning, I would say. Mm -hmm. Now, part of that, of course, is that, you know, both my ex-wife and I come from an education background. Uh, but it was our first child and mm -hmm. none of us are experts in, you know, early childhood, you know, pedagogy or anything, you know, in terms of development, you know, we, we were learning like any new parents were. And I remember we went to Chris's 18 month checkup, which is usually where you get some of these flags come up. And I remember that his pediatrician, who we considered to be a, a well enough doctor, uh, asked questions and, you know, her whole battery and, and asked quite bluntly, is, is he speaking? And we said, well, he's really not, you know, he makes some utterances and maybe some sounds, but we're not mm -hmm. getting the babbling, that kind of toddler talk, that type of thing. She said, well, you might have an issue. So she said, here's what you do. Go across the street. There was a, a hospital where the, uh, her, her office was, there was a hospital that had some professional offices attached to it. And she said, go across the street and uh, go have him see the speech therapist. And her literal words to us were, I don't know what they do, but they play with the kids and they make them talk. So go take him there and you'll be all set. That's so, simple. <laughs> right. Yeah. And we said, sure, sounds good to us. Well, yeah. you see the speech therapist for a few sessions. And then they said, well, maybe you want to get the hearing checked. And then after the hearing was fine, well, maybe you need to go talk to some other folks. So, you know, of course, we in Illinois, we went through the early intervention mm -hmm. services they provided to us. And then right about the age of uh, he was just about three. We saw a developmental neuropsych who gave him the diagnosis of, at that time, what was referred to as pervasive developmental disorder, mm -hmm. yeah. which now it's just all autism. Right. So I, I would tell you the early years were were tough. They were tough because one, we really didn't know what we were dealing with. Mm -hmm. And like most parents of special needs kids, you know, I mean, certainly with autism, but but even, you know, with a lot of other disabilities, you know, there, there's so many questions and there's so much uncertainty. And, you know, you always kind of feel like, well, yeah, he's slow, but he'll catch up. Right. You know, well, he's a boy, he's a late talker. Well, maybe, you know, dad didn't talk until he was three or whatever. So mm -hmm. sure, he'll be fine and on and on and on. And then you see that it's not just speech, it's there's motor function issues and there's some other delays in this type of thing. So you find yourself doing a variety of therapies, you know, not just speech, OT, PT, mm -hmm. all of our alphabet soup type things. Right. right. And, you know, it, 
talk about sleepless nights, you know, and, and in fact, it's kind of interesting because um, one thing that he has chronically had are digestion, gut GI mm-hmm. issues over yeah. the years yeah. due to some allergies. And, you know, we started out with that early in life. And what do you know now at this age, perhaps because of growth and, you know, body changes and all that he's having about just as bad as he did when he was a little boy. And so sleepless nights, here you come. And of course, the extra challenge of being a single parent and doing that, you know, just makes it a little bit harder. Yeah. 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 I get, I get that. And, and it's just that ebb and flow and, and constant changes. You know, you think you're kind of at this great place and then all of a sudden whammo, something else comes along and you, you know, you're having to deal with that again. That's just part of the special needs life and um, you know it's as the as we go through year to year you know my, my late husband used to talk about early on uh, being the dad of our son with special needs that you know there were so many things that he had dreamed of you know when we found out we were having a boy he was so excited because he was like okay we're going to go to university of tennessee football games and he was going to do all these same things with his dad you know with his son that he had done with his dad uh, and when he realized that wasn't going to happen, you know, you start dealing with those death of dreams. Did you experience that? What were some of the things that you thought of when your son, maybe you knew you were having a boy or when he was born that you thought you were going to do, get, be able to do, but then that didn't happen. What were some of those things and how did you handle that? Yeah. And, and that is something that I also speak to a lot on um, because, you know, certainly I, I went through that grieving process because, yeah. Um, you know, I, I was never the most athletic guy, but, you know, I still played some sports in school and, and obviously I'm a big sports fan. And, you know, you always think about, okay, you know, I, I was never going to be one of those dads who wanted to push my kids to get into athletics or this right. or that, but, you know, you certainly want to assume that your kid is going to sit and say, watch a football game with you. And Hey dad, let's go out in the yard and toss right. the football around. Sure, son. And you know what, here's what I'll say on the one hand, um, he will do some of that now because I, I have noticed that when I put certain sports on the TV, he will gravitate towards it. And he does like playing catch a little bit. But the thing that I had to learn, the thing that I really pressed dads on, especially is this, is that um, one thing that I think shuts a lot of dads and men down is they they see those things that just aren't going to happen. Those those un you know, recognized dreams of, mm-hmm. you know, or unattained dreams of, you know, well, my kid is never going to play this sport or be good at the sport or even to interact with me. Well, here's the thing. It's still your kid. It's still your son and they right. still can't interact. So in my kid's case, it's not going to look like all the other kids on the field or this or mm-hmm. that, but you know what? I know he likes it because he'll watch it with me. And you know what? You know, I'll take him outside and he'll throw a ball around, even if it's for five, 10 minutes and he does it with me three times. So what? Right. You know, that's still the experience of bonding with your kid. You know, we used to have a, at my old house before we, we separated, we had a basketball hoop in the driveway. Okay. Well, if he likes basketball, you know what? He probably gets more excited when I shoot the ball at the hoop than him, but it's right. okay because he's enjoying seeing daddy do it. And he's with daddy while we're having this bonding exactly. time together. So it's not a matter of my kid's not going to do it or never going to do it. It's how can your kid do it? How Mm -hmm. will your kid do it? You know, things like adaptive athletics and things like that, which, you know, didn't exist in the same way 10, 15, 20 years ago, special Olympics, et cetera. There's all kinds of ways for kids to be involved. You just have to kind of change your your paradigm of what Mm -hmm. that's going to look like. Is it going to look like what you wanted? No, but can it still be something? Yeah. You just need to figure out what that is. Yeah. And it's laying down what your dreams are and what you think it think life should look like. 
and, and Jeff used to talk about going into John Alex's world, you know, like we, we shouldn't expect them to always have to come and do exactly what we think. Jeff would find things that John Alex liked to do and change it up like what you're talking about. So I think that's, that's good words. And, you know, you, you speak a lot to dads. And so what do you see as some of the challenges that dads face when they get that diagnosis and they're trying to travel through this new journey that they're on as a special needs dad? What are some of the challenges and things that you see are kind of some consistencies across the board? Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting, Becky, because I know I have myself heard you speak about some of these um, Mm -hmm. as well. And also certainly sharing, sharing things from, from your late husband as well. You know, I I think one of the, the, the biggest general observations I make or the fact that most dads, when they get a diagnosis, um, you know, men are fixers, right? We're, we're geared to just yes. fix the problem and let's keep going. And so we don't necessarily like to dig in more than we have to. So what do I see with most men? I see men who uh, are, let's say, good good at their careers. They, they are the breadwinner for the most part, not always in all families, but whatever, you know, whatever they do to contribute financially, they say, okay, well, I'm going to do more of that. So mm-hmm. then I can pay for the doctors and the therapists and the treatment right. and whatever this kid needs. I'll cover that. That's what I do. I work. Mm-hmm. Now that's great. But the problem is, is that, and again, I know you've spoken to this one, um, it really creates a divide in the family and specifically in the marriage, because then what happens is, is that you get too much of this. Well, this is my part and this is your part. And when mom is juggling therapists and doctors and schedules and school and calendars, you know, there's, there's going to be some resentment there and rightfully so, you know, this, this has to be a partnership. So, you know, dad may be very good at his job and may provide all those resources to be able to do those things, but that doesn't mean dad still can't, or doesn't need to take an active role in all all of those other nitty gritty mm-hmm. pieces, as difficult as that might be. And I'll, you know, openly confess, and I share this as well, you know, what was interesting in our marriage was, I, I wasn't really the breadwinner, you know, I never made a lot of money, you know, like we, we could never on a teacher salary, just have me work, right? Both of us always worked, And quite mm-hmm. honestly, for many years, my ex made more money than me. And that was okay. But again, it was also the understanding of okay, I'm never going to be that guy who's just going to write a blank check. But what do I bring? I bring a bunch of other things. I need to understand what that is for me. And in a lot of marriages, you know, that dynamic of dad works and mom handles this, that might work fine. But I think what you also see, and certainly, you know, again, I'm speaking as a divorced parent here. And for, you know, again, without quoting the specific stats, because I know they always change or whatnot. Yeah, from day to day. Yeah. You know, right, exactly. But but we know that in special needs families, divorce rates are just exactly. much higher generally. Mm-hmm. And obviously these are some of the reasons for that. So, you know, I, I try to speak into men about, look, you know, you got to lock into your heart, your feelings, you know, you have to be able to share, you have to be able to interact with your spouse. And you also need to to get some guys in your life that can kind of Absolutely. support you and walk yes. through life with you. Yep. And, and I do that in a variety of ways. Um, you know, I have a special needs dad support group lo- locally here in Chicago. I obviously speak at conferences and, you know, speak to this in a variety of platforms, but mm-hmm. the bottom line is that however you do it, you, you have to get some support and you have to find a space where you can share these things, where you can talk about them and you can really address them because to just say, well, my role is just, I'm locked in on my career mm-hmm. and that's all we need. 
it, it's not enough. It's, it's yeah. just not. And you know what, maybe even in a, t- in a typical family, it's not enough, but it's really not enough with all the things that special needs brings to the table. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, you as a dad, you've been a special needs dad for 13 years now. So what have been some of the most supportive and helpful resources for you as a dad? So I, I think they kind of spread the, the the gamut of a variety of things. I, I will say again, speaking to just kind of on a, a basic grassroots level, um, you know, belonging to some special needs dad support group mm-hmm. locally. Um, there's there's a couple in the Chicago area. Uh, I started one a few years ago with another special needs dad in my area. Um, that was actually an offshoot of a larger one um, that has been going for over ten years now, um, and and has a, a fairly decent. Um, the social media presence and that type mm-hmm. of thing. Um, you know, so, and, and again, the thing that I want to stress about that is my, my group, and we've been meeting on Zoom now for, you know, since COVID, whatever, COVID, right. you know, like, like everybody, but you know, I, it, it's not even that I necessarily get a lot of guys out all the time. Uh, what I actually discovered is men don't usually like to share their feelings with strangers. So a lot of times we get a guest speaker. So you have someone to come listen to, and then maybe you want to talk to a guy or two, right. that type of thing. But the point is, is that even if it's just one or two guys that maybe I see a month, those are guys that I know I can at least check in with. Mm -hmm. They know what I'm going through. I know what I'm going through. And there's a vulnerability there where I don't have to worry about, well, what's this guy going to think of me? Well, he already knows what I got going on and vice versa. So might as well just be honest. Hey, this is what's happening. This is our reality. Yeah. Right. Yep. So, so I, I think it's, it's that, and, you know, maybe you don't belong to an actual special needs support group. But, you know, there's, you know, there are, you know, men's group through your, through your local church or house of worship, you know, there are other, um, you know, ways that you can, you know, socially connect with guys. And then, of course, there are bigger organizations, right? Obviously, you know, you and I are connected with several organizations mm-hmm. that are national that reach dads in a variety of ways, you know, like key ministry and SOAR and that type of thing, but also special fathers network, you know, which we were just talking about how you were mm-hmm. uh, the the one woman on the special fathers network <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yes. You yeah, know. That's my, my claim to fame is that I'm the only female, the only mom who's ever been on the special needs dad podcast. Right, exactly. But, but, but it was great, you know, and, and the, the point is, is that, you know, that's an organization based here in Chicago, but has a national reach that has a mentorship program. You know, if, mm-hmm. if you don't want to go meet a group of guys, you can literally get hooked up with a mentor that you can just talk to personally, yeah. phone, Skype, zoom, whatever, and, and have that relationship. Because again, we all need someone to talk to, mm-hmm. you know, and, and com- I'm very big on community. I'm very big on, on faith, certainly being a Christian, but at the same time, I'm also very big on community. And even if, you know, you know, church or, you know, religion is not your thing, you have to have community. There is no way around it. And there's no way that you're going to walk through this, you know, without having someone in your corner and someone that you can talk to. Yeah. And like you were talking about for so many dads, it's such a challenge. Like women, I can get together with a group of moms and they're like, you know, we can easily talk about the things that are in our life. And so that for dads, it's so much more of a challenge to sit and be able to be raw and real. And, but once you've built that, like you were talking about, you open up the door, you build that, that friendship, then you, it's able, you're able to break those walls down. And so again, I agree with you 100%. Community is just so critical. Um, We are not meant to do this life alone. Uh, And so to have that and to have a group of guys, you know, we have a group of guys that meets here at our office once a month and they, they, you know, have pizza or have hot wings or whatever. And, and, you know, it's not that it's, well, we're going to sit and we're going to talk about these specific things. The conversation just starts flowing when you, when you're sitting across the table from someone. And so I think that is, that is a great 
way for guys to 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 be able to build that community and build those that those friendships. Um, so I know you talk on your website a lot about community, which we've talked about, but faith is also a big component. I know for me, I could not walk this walk without my faith. And so how do you bring that into your daily life as a special needs dad? I know you've shared about the community part, but how do you do that with your faith? Yeah. And when, when I always speak to this, um, you know, as I just kind of mentioned that, that faith and, and also uh, community piece, you know, at being a teacher, I break it down as into what I like to call my one, a one B conversation. Right. One a is faith for sure. One yeah. B is community because I think they're also intertwined, you know, specifically mm-hmm. just kind of because, you know, community is an expression of that. But at the end of the day, you know, my faith is, has what has gotten me to this point and is getting me through this place because the right. reality is, is that, you know, I, I as a special needs parent, you're not going to walk through one fire. You will walk through many of them. <laughs> yes. And, and I actually found my Christian faith years ago when I was a very young, new special needs parent. Mm-hmm. And we went through a variety of things in our family and, and not to this extreme, you know, in terms of right now, but, you know, we, we had some problems for sure that yeah. we don't know how that might've turned out, but Um, you know, the interesting thing is that it was a group of guys at a men's Bible study Mm -hmm. that I went to just one time that was enough for me to say, I'm in, you know, because that expression of love and care and and just interest in me and wanting to know how can we help you, Mm -hmm. regardless whether you're a stranger or not, hey, you're you're a brother, we're we're willing to to reach out. So, you know, that brotherhood and that community is an expression of our faith. But at the end of the day, I think what we've seen with COVID is how much we've all just been shut away. And unfortunately we had, we've been shuttered from our our faith community and our church families Mm -hmm. and all of that. And what's really difficult is of course, having to go through a divorce, being a special needs parent. Um, You know, I had some other things come up this, this past year in terms of my mom going into an assisted living. So Mm -hmm. a lot lot of changes on very deep personal levels Mm -hmm. and really not a lot of people to just reach out to because, well, first of all, everybody's been distant. So they're not even close to you. And even if you can reach out through other means, virtually phone, et cetera, it's still a challenge. So at the end of the day, what you still have is regardless of how much communication or community you have, you have your faith. And what I've been reminded of is the fact that not only did, did my faith in Christ get me through all those challenges before, Mm -hmm. but very slowly, very intentionally day by day, you know, and being as intentional as I can be. And it's tough on, on tough days. It's tough, right? It's easy to have faith when everything is is swimming. It's, it's, it's hard to have faith on the hard days. It's hard Mm -hmm. to make yourself sit down and maybe open up that devotional or maybe read a little scripture or whatever you do, but it's also that muscle memory. It's the same idea of, okay, well, I don't want to go to the gym today, but man, I'm going to feel a lot better after I do. I don't want to sit down and look at this for five, 10 minutes, but I will feel better after. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the reality of it is this, as I've reminded myself, because I've had a bunch of people kind of speak into my life over this last year, 18 months about all of this and say, well, how are you standing? And of course I always go back to that, but The other reality is this, I say to myself, if I'm not going to have faith now, then when am I going to have it? Mm, That's me. I mean, I I, I just didn't say, okay, well, this is just not ever getting fixed. So see you later. Forget it. Right. 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 It's like, in in many ways, that's all I have. That's Mm -hmm. all I have. You know, this, that, that Jesus stuff is all I got. So I, I can have that and I can move forward 
knowing that, okay, he's had me before he has me now. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. I don't understand it. And mm-hmm. that control piece is so big, especially yeah. in cases like ours where there's already enough things floating mm-hmm. in the air. Do we really need more? But that's where I say, you know what? I, I know there's a plan. I don't know it. I can't see it, but yeah. the, the, the way I'm told to walk, that's what I'll do. Yeah. And, and that has, that has taken care of me, you know, as, as one guy often said years ago, you know, ever since he came into my life, I've been one satisfied customer and mm. you know what? I still continue yes. to be. So I'm not going to stop believing now right. as difficult and as ugly as it might be. Um, we're going to get to the other side of this um, on a, on a big scale in, in terms of these things and also mm-hmm. on a personal level and, uh, and we'll be again, the better for it. So. Yeah, that's so true. So true. And, you know, when those those things come at us in life, we have a choice as to whether we're going to continue to believe or walk away. And um, it's it's not to say, you know, when I lost Jeff that I doubted and I questioned and I was like, why in the world is happening? But, you you know, I came back just like you, you know, you're like, no, this is all we got. This is all this is this is the only thing that's going to keep us um, standing. And so I think that um, that's those are good, good words, John. So, you know, I come at this life, this special needs life now, you know, I'm a solo parent. I'd never heard that term until I lost my husband, but basically it means I'm not co-parenting. I don't have a parent, you know, a spouse, an ex-spouse or anything. I'm co-parenting. I'm, I'm doing this solo. You're a single parent. What are some things that you've encountered um, as you've tried to co-parent that have worked really well or things that you're like, oh, this was a big challenge? Mm-hmm. So what, I, what I'll actually go back to, and again, I've, I've spoken to this in a couple of other places, but um, what, what's interesting is that the, the timing of my separation and divorce, it, it really came around COVID, quite honestly. Um, even though we separated several months before that, um, we were still under one roof. So, you know, we, we were still within arm's reach as far as what do you need or what does our son need, that type of mm-hmm. a thing. But what I came up with during COVID, um, again, using my teacher brain, I come up with these little acronyms for things. And so I came up with three C's, uh, communication, coordination, and compassion. Okay. Mm. And and this really came out, you know, of, of the whole COVID thing, but yeah, I, I think they apply regardless in general. You know, first of all, communication is key. Um, I, I think that despite all else, again, Um, my ex and I have done a wonderful job of communicating in terms of, you know, what needs are and and what our son's needs are, because the reality now is this. Um, If you have him on your own, if he's having a bad day, you're really having a bad day because guess what? I don't have anyone to pass him off to or say, I need a five minute, 10 minute. There is no five, 10 minute. It's like, okay, figure it out kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, even now, for example, um, with what we're going through with some of his uh, GI stuff, um, you know, he's not sleeping at night. And of course that means that the person that has him also doesn't sleep and then can't function yeah. at work, et cetera. Right. So you you want to make sure that the person is aware, Hey, look, this is what's going on with him. These are the things I'm doing. Maybe try this, or, you know, you, you do whatever you feel you need mm-hmm. to do that works for you to help get him to sleep or calm him or whatever. But during COVID, you know, I, I tell the story, um, I was dropping him off and this is, um, I was already living, um, in my apartment. And so I was dropping him off on a weekend and it was actually, uh, it was the Sunday right before like everything just shut down. Right. And I remember I had just dropped him off on a Sunday afternoon and no sooner did I drop him off, I was driving away. And I heard on the, the news on the radio that the Illinois governor said, Starting tomorrow, all restaurants, coffee shops, bars, like everything's closed. Everything's closed, yeah. So I, first thing I did, I pulled over. 
And I called her and I said, listen, this just came on the news. Just you need to wear that tomorrow. Everything shut down, at least for in-person, et cetera, and mm-hmm. whatever they're doing with drive through pickup. Why is that important, though? Because my kid has restaurants he loves. And again, yeah. when you have a kid on the spectrum and there's certain foods mm-hmm. they need to get from certain places made certain ways, and all of a sudden, well, geez, we can't go here or this place is going to be closed for a little bit and we need to figure it out. That, that's right. a big deal. So I, I did tell her that. And then how that blends into the coordination side of things is, hey, okay, so where, where are we going? How are we going to compensate for this? You know, where will we take him if we need to take him out? Where are we going to go if he needs an outing? Because you could be outside, which is great. And he loves that. But you know, if the weather's bad or something's up, you know, where else? What are we we going to do? Right. How are we going to tag team this? And then the last piece there is compassion, right? And, and here's the reality of it. And, and I really, you know, I, I know, divorce is a very, very challenging thing emotionally to come over. And and I'd be lying if I told you that I'm still not wrestling with, you know, some anger issues Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, just some regrets and all that type of thing. But the fact is, is at the end of the day, he's still my child's mom. And if nothing else, I have to respect her for that. Mm -hmm. And she is a great mom to him. So I need to have compassion for that. I need to have compassion for what she's going through as a mom, when she has him, her needs, and, and also to just remember as I also say, you know, at, at some point, you know, we're kind of coming out of this crisis. Things are slowly going back to normal now. Mm-hmm. How do we want to look as people? And, and even more specifically, how do we want to look as Christians, as believers to say, mm-hmm. well, how did you treat the people when all this was going on? Did you just lose your mind and say, forget everybody. I'm just worried right. about me. Or did right. you think about the other person? Did you think about the family members in your life, whether you're all under one roof or not? You know, did you have compassion for the people that really needed it when they needed it? You know, yeah. and because that's something you won't get back. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, because, again, we're already seeing that things are going back to normal. We're not there yet. But, you know, do you want to reflect on this five, 10, 20 years from now and say, do you remember that COVID thing? You know what? I can at least say I showed up. It was hard. Sometimes I didn't like doing what I did or, or saying the right thing, but I showed up. And you know what? I, I have no regrets on that. End. And, and isn't that great to be able to look back and go, you know, I have no regrets. I think the compassion piece of that, uh, especially in a divorce situation, you have to choose that. You have to choose that every day, I'm sure, to, to, to um, especially with that piece to go, no, I'm going to show compassion in this. And then you can look back and go, okay, I handled myself in a godly way in the situation. So before we move forward, I want, you, I want to recap those three things again, because I think that's good. Recap those three words. Mm-hmm. Sure. Communication, coordination, and compassion. Yeah, I think that's great. And, and I, that, that last piece has to be there or the others are not going to work. Will it? Yeah, yeah that, that compassion part. So you're a special education teacher, correct? And into the Chicago area. Is yes. that correct? Okay. And so, you know, when you look at the special needs world and special education, what are some of your hopes for the special education as a whole for our kids with special needs? You know, my son's out of school now, but uh, we had many, many years being in school. But what are your hopes and dreams for the special education? for special education for, for our kids. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting because I, I just did a, a podcast interview recently specifically on this topic. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess I have a little bit of a unique perspective because first of all, um, I haven't been a special ed teacher in my whole career. I happen mm-hmm. to be doing that role now. And I actually teach at a private school. So, you know, we have a little bit more flexibility or a lot more flexibility than, yeah. than public schools do. But I've certainly taught in the public schools and I've taught in other private schools. And obviously I have a, a son who's been in special ed in the public schools in his town 
since kindergarten. And here's what I'll say. I, I think that unfortunately, one, there, there are some general stereotypes that folks who are either not educators or not in the education world don't always, you know, kind of plug into because I think with parents, what they say is a lot of times, I don't want to send my kids to the public schools because they're just bad. Well, some public schools are not great, especially for our kids, because I have worked at those schools where, and especially in, you know, in kind of the areas of blight, so to speak, in Chicago, where, you know, they, they just don't have the money for services. Right. And even if it's required in an IEP, they can't necessarily give it to those kids the way they're supposed to have it, right? They, they do the best they can, but that's what it is. At the same time, though, you know, I, for example, teaching at a private school, with, which is affluent, quite honestly, and parents who could send their kids pretty much anywhere. Um, but the reality is, is that even as a private school, we don't necessarily have all the same resources a public school does. Why? Because, mm-hmm. you know, public schools are required to have this, this and that, and they get tax dollars to have certain things in those certain areas, you know, checking those certain boxes. Um, you know, we get money from tuition, we do fundraising, all of that, but that's not always enough to provide a true special ed program, which mm-hmm. if you find a good public school district in a good area, you know, that that's heaven. I mean, quite honestly, we've right. had no complaints where our son has been over those years. So what I tell parents is this, is that um, it's not necessarily, you know, don't assume something from, you know, going on a website, you know, a school website or a district website that looks pretty, you know, you really need to understand what, what they're doing there. And, and that's mm-hmm. something that both myself and even I think my, my ex would also tell you, you know, if you want to know what a school is about or a district's about, go and, and visit, Absolutely. go, go talk to people, go observe, go do this. You know, you really want to do that boots on the ground type stuff because you can't assume if somebody says, well, of course, you know, this town schools are the best because it's such and such town. It's well, how do you know that? You know, there mm-hmm. are, there are schools in great towns that are doing bad jobs. And, and I have heard that from parents that we've known right. and, and vice versa. So I think it's, unique and specific to your child and your family situation. And um, I'll, I'll just share one quick story. Um, you know, our, our son went to, um, when he was very young at preschool age, he went to a Montessori school and, and I actually have training as a Montessori teacher and taught in those schools for years. And we had him sent to a place that, you know, again, if, if you imagined what preschool in heaven looked like, it would be this place, mm, right? Yeah. It was yeah beautiful grounds, facilities, everything. And, and I knew the director and I knew the family that had started the school that had been there for years. We said, this is great. This is perfect for him. You know, he started out, they, they had him, he was like a, a year older than the toddler age, but they still had him in their toddler environment, which was perfect for him. And then they moved him up to the regular preschool, which in Montessori, it's like a, a three-year program. Well, the problem was the teacher there had no background in special ed and was also very, very uh, rigid. And mm. did not want to be flexible with this new autistic kid who was not like the other kids. Right. So what we were finding is she really couldn't support him the way she could the other kids. And on our end, what we did is we went to his ABA clinic and we got a one-on-one to send to school with him. But the problem was the ABA person didn't know anything about Montessori and was mm. actually pretty new to ABA as well. She was just out of school. So it was great that she was there but also that teacher wasn't communicating with her and vice versa. So it wasn't a fit, but what we found out, which is a real heartbreaker is that on the playground, and this is what the ABA uh, therapist was telling us, the teacher was actually having our kid not play with the other kids Mm. because somehow she felt his behavior shouldn't, you know, they're, 
her typical kid's behavior shouldn't reflect his behavior. So we're just going to keep them separated. And, and that breaks your heart as a parent. Yeah. I mean, you know? I'm sitting here listening going, really? Wow. Yeah. 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 And and so yeah. needless to say, we we didn't make a big stink about it again because didn't want to necessarily burn bridges professionally, but right. we did pull him out. And then once we got him into the regular school district, we were great. So the point was, you know, you assume things look nice, but mm-hmm. do you really ever know? It's only yeah. when you have that experience. And even I, as an educator and specifically in this area and knowing the people who ran the school didn't matter. So yes. I had to check by you at the door and say, you know what? You don't know until you know. And this is about what's best for your kid. It had nothing to do with, well, I thought this was best. Well, you know what? It, it just wasn't. So you know yeah. what? That's okay. We'll keep moving forward. But you want to make sure that you're really doing your research and your homework there. And don't make assumptions about yeah, what may be good or what's not. Mm-hmm. And and one final thing I'll just throw in there is um, inclusion, inclusion, inclusion. So, um, you know, it's, I really appreciate when a school or a district really presses inclusion. And again, it's really not just inclusion we want, right? It's acceptance. So as many ways as the school is trying to incorporate or integrate the SPED students with the typical students in those mainstream environments or having them involved in the school programs or whatever it is, there's great organizations that come into schools and do inclusion. And my son benefited from one of those. So, you know, also really try to investigate that and see, is that something that's already either at a school or a district or find some of those organizations in your area. And a lot of times they can provide you with some good resources or support, you know, to maybe find a good fit for your child. Yeah, that's, that's good advice. Good counsel. So now your son, is in those early teenage years now. And trust me, adulthood will get here before you know it. So it goes like, I mean, it's lightning fast. My son's almost will be 24 in the fall, which I just can't even fathom. But when you look at Christopher and his life and his future, what are some of the hopes and dreams you have for him as he grows and matures into adulthood? I guess I would start out by hopefully what any parent would say, which is I, I really just want him to be happy. And, you know, it, it's one of these things where, you know, going back to even the conversation about like the, the sports thing, you know, you have, you have dreams for your kid, you have goals for your kid, you, you make assumptions about, well, of course, my kid is going to do these things. Well, first of all, the reality is this, my son is probably never going to live independently. My son is probably not ever going to have a job, a 40 hour a week job. He can just mm-hmm. do on his own. Um, he'll probably never drive a car. You know, there are things that he will probably never do. But the fact is, is that that doesn't mean that he still can't have a good quality of life. Absolutely. Again, it's what does it look like for him? Mm-hmm. So he may not live independently, but he can certainly live in an environment that's supportive and structured for him that he enjoys, right? He may be able to have a, a part-time job 10 hours a week doing something that's simple enough, but that he enjoys. Mm-hmm. Um, he still may be able to, you know, go on trips and vacations, certainly now when he's younger with mom or dad, um, you know, but also in later in life too. So you know, I think we have to, again, as special needs parents, we have to remember that it's not that our kids won't be able to do things. It's how they'll be able to do them. So again, will he be able to work? Sure. He's he's not going to be the CEO of, you know, Tesla or something, but, you know, he's he's going to, he can have work that, again, fills him up and meaningful. makes him happy. It's meaningful to him. Yeah, exactly. That's meaningful yeah. to him. Or, or even school or college, you know, you talk mm-hmm. about what do they do out of transition? Well, there's tons of college programs that are now evolving and have been evolving. You know, could he do something in terms of that beyond transition? Hopefully, sure. You know, and yeah. that would be great. You know, but, but the bottom line is, is that 
does it fulfill him, you know, in inside intrinsically? Yeah. Is he satisfied with his life? And that's the biggest thing. And he's always consistently been, like I said, the happiest kid. Mm-hmm. And you just want to make sure that that continues. And yeah. remember that again, it's it it might not look what he assumed it was going to look like the day he was born. But you know what? If if you really plug into what a parent truly wants for their kid, it's are they happy? And you know what? If he is happy, whatever that looks like, then that's right. that's what we'll support. And of course, we'll do everything we can to help, you know, piece that together. As, yeah, facilitate as that for him. Yeah. yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, John, I appreciate so much you giving of your time today to have this conversation. I, you know, it's rare that we get to hear from a dad's perspective. So I appreciate you, um, your willingness to share part of your story and part of your journey. And if our listeners want to find more about you, where can they find you? I know you have a website. So share where you can be found and some of the different places that you write for. Yes, absolutely. So if you if you punch me into the Google machine, as as they say, I'm, I'm kind of all over. But yeah, I, I do have a website. It's just my name, johnfellageller.com. It is a mouthful, but just copy it how it looks and just plug it in, johnfellageller.com. I, I post all the different stuff I do there as far as, you know, uh, writing podcasts, etc. Uh, I'm involved, of course, you know, in a lot of the, the same organizations we share. So I, I do blog regularly for uh, Key Ministry, uh, hope anew. Uh, I've had some things published on the mighty as well. So just a variety of places. Again, if you go to the website, you'll see some of that. Um, and I do some speaking engagements as well. So certainly for, you know, some of the conferences we're involved in um, around the country, um, if your organization or group or whatever is looking for me to speak on uh, any of these topics I've touched on today, certainly please feel free to reach out to me as well. Uh, you can get me on Facebook. I've got a, a blog page on Facebook, uh, John Special Needs blog on Facebook, or, or you can just friend me or message me on Facebook. That's fine. I'm on Instagram at jfellageller and also on Twitter at jfellageller74. Uh, so again, if you name it, I'm there, just punch me in and, and you'll get to me. That's great. And we'll be sure to include all of those links in the show notes so people can have easy access to that. So um, they can find out more. Again, you know, it's rare that we hear a dad voice and and my late husband, that was his heart and his passion was for dads to um, just fully embrace their life and their calling as a special needs dad. So thank you for your willingness to speak into that and to encourage other special needs dads to stay in the game and, and, and showing them how they can successfully navigate this special needs journey. So thank you so much, John. I appreciate your time today. Absolutely, Becky. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Rising Above Ministries podcast. If you like what you hear, please take a minute to leave us a rating and review. This helps others like you find our content more easily. You can learn more about how Rising Above Ministries is encouraging the special needs community by checking out our website at risingaboveministries.org or by finding us on Facebook and Instagram. We look forward to connecting with you.